0: Okay, so today we are starting this series called Church Health Matters. Church Health Matters. Years ago in in 2016, when we launched City Church Garland, we, we, the very first thing we focused on as a, as a church was, uh, we, we, we did a study on a book, uh, with a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Because we, we realized that the DFW area does not just need another church, another uh church that's not in a healthy place, that's not gospel centered, that's not life giving, that's not missional, that's not making an impact in the area. Uh but but the DFW area needs a healthy church. More more healthy churches and, and the churches that do exist uh need more health, right? We need we Christians need spiritual and emotional and relational health. And so this this year we've decided that we're going to journey through the book of 1 Corinthians and we're going to focus on uh, particularly that aspect of what it looks like to be a healthy church. And as you'll see in the video and as you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, it's not that the Corinthians were exhibiting health, so much that, that that gives us an example to follow, but it's more uh, it's more so about the apostle Paul addressing the areas that need health, uh, spiritual health in their lives. And therefore, we have this epistle, this letter that uh, that deals with church matters in a very pastoral way, and he gets in the messiness of church life. Amen. So let me just first remind um, everyone here and those of you who are new here this morning, just the, the vision we've talked about for this year is we aim to grow as healthy disciples who know Jesus, who are energized by grace, motivated by love, and who lead others to become healthy disciples okay this is in line with our vision here that we've that we've had from the beginning to know jesus to love people and impact your world this is who we are this is what we are about here at city church garland and then our strategy for carrying that out is encountering god through his word through prayer through worship Engaging in community through community groups and doing life together and living out the one another's together, equipping the saints through the the teaching of the word of God, through Sunday mornings, through classes that we have, through seminars that we do from time to time, and then through evangelism, through taking the good news of Jesus to every relationship. So that's how we aim to live this out. Amen. And so, and, and and by the way, when when I when we when we decided that we were going to go through the book of First Corinthians, I realized like this is first Corinthians right here, this vision here to pursue growing as healthy disciples who are energized by grace, motivated by love, and lead others to become healthy Christians. This is what we learn about in the book of First Corinthians. This is what we see the Apostle Paul doing and what we see him aiming to do with the church in Corinth. Amen. So I've titled this message today, Sanctified in Christ. It's a good Bible word, sanctification, sanctified, sanctified um, <clears throat> to sanctify means to to be holy uh, or to, to set apart as holy. And I want to ask you the question before we start this morning. Are you a sanctified Christian? Is that funny? My son thought was that was funny. Are you a sanctified Christian? Okay. There's there's a couple there's several ways that we could answer that. I mean, of course, we could say yes or no, or I think so maybe. But what we'll what we'll see here is that the apostle Paul calls this church that had all kinds of struggles and all kinds of issues. He ventures out to call them those who are sanctified in Christ. Okay. And so let's let's uh, open up in prayer and then we will read about that. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open the scripture, would you open our eyes to see what you have done in our lives in bringing salvation and rescue and may the gospel work deepen in our hearts in our lives. May we see with a biblical lens as a result of our time here today. May we be in all of what you have done and may we respond, may we respond in surrender and obedience to to your authority in our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, here we go. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't, it's up on the screen. Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are lacking, you are not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Here's our big idea. And we're going we're gonna to look at the rest of this chapter here um, after we look at a, a few points here. But here's our big idea. God has called and created Christians to be holy people, his holy people, reflecting the beauty of his saving grace in their conduct and in their relationships. God has called and created Christians to be his holy people, reflecting the beauty of his saving grace in their conduct and in their relationships. Okay, so first, let me give a little backdrop here. If you want to to read about Paul's encounter with the Corinthian church, and by the way, this is a place that's still that you can visit today. Uh, you can go visit Corinth. Uh, Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he it was after he went to Athens, and he didn't see too many people uh, come to the faith there. But but then he went to Corinth, and he was reasoning in the synagogues. He found some other Christians there, Priscilla and Aquila. And and the, the Corinthian people responded, people got saved, the church got started. Uh, Paul got a word of encouragement from the Lord, which said, do not be afraid, no one will harm you, for I have many people in this city. So God was working in this city, and Paul was just traveling around, joining in where God was working, kind of like a honeybee looking for nectar, just going from flower to flower. And, and he was he was looking for where God was working. He was pre- preaching the gospel, and God was doing something in the lives of these people here in Corinth. One theologian, Gordon Fee, says that Paul's Corinthians was Paul's Corinthians was at once the New York and Los Angeles and Las Vegas of the ancient world. Okay, so just imagine that. Does that sound like a holy place? not so much huh another theologian says that the reputation of Corinth is illustrated by the fact that the verb to act like a Corinthian was used of practicing fornication in the in the phrase Corinthian girls designated harlots and so so obviously Corinth was known for its immorality this was a wealthy port city Okay. This was an educated city. There, were, th- th- this was a city that had gifted and talented people in it. And it was, it was, uh, it was also the home of the temple of Adaf- Af- Aphrodite, Aphrodite. And so there was, there was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of darkness, a lot of sin. And Paul shows up and he rescues some people out of that darkness. Now first he starts this letter with grace and peace. This is a common um uh, uh intro that Paul has in in his letters. Grace and peace. And and what he's doing here is he, is he's he's kind of tying in uh, a, a a Greek uh greeting which is similar to grace, the the word grace and the the Hebrew uh shalom peace greeting. Because this church was made, the churches were made up of diverse, of diversity, of Jews and Gentiles, of, of all kinds of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, old and young and, and, and different ethnicities. And so this particular church was, was diverse. And, and so it's interesting that he says grace and peace. He, he ties those two together. He starts with the, with the blessing. And this is what God does. This is what God brings in salvation that we find in Jesus Christ. He brings grace to us. Grace manifested. He brings peace to our lives where we were once at odds with God and at odds with others. God brings peace and grace to our lives. Amen. And so the first, first point I want to, want to highlight is that God has, God called Christian, God has called Christians to be His holy people. Look to the person next to you and tell them that God has called you to be holy. God has called you to be holy. Now He's also, He's also called Christians to be saints, which is a very similar way of saying that. Now growing up in in the, in the Catholic Church, uh, saints are a really, really big, big thing. Oh, by the way, welcome to my family who's here today. Uh, I got my parents, grandmother, aunt, sister, Kindle side of the family as well, uh, my in-laws. What a blessing. What a joy to have you guys here with us, um, today. Um, so anyways, that, the Catholic upbringing reminded me of that. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, grandma. um so um, uh called to be saints so it's it's interesting here that that paul says that these guys are called to be saints and this isn't just the christians this is every christian this isn't just the super christians this isn't just like those who are really amazing and do miracles or do some kind of amazing uh, uh, uh thing every christian is called to be a saint. Actually, some of the, the, the modern translations render this as God's call to be God's holy people. Or another way to say it, God's sanctified people, God's people who are are set apart. And so we see that God calls Christians to be his very own people. We belong to God. And we should be encouraged and comforted by this. We are set apart for God. And he's called us to himself. He's called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He's called us into a personal relationship of knowing God, not just about him, not just having religion, But he calls us into this intimate relationship of knowing him and being known by him. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Isn't that amazing? That we get to know God and be known by God. The, the, The most loving being in the universe invites us to be near him to be known by him, to, to hear from him and walk with him. That, that's Christianity. That's what it means to be a Christian, to, to, to know God and walk with him and to, to be his and to reflect who he is in our lives. And so he called, he's called Christians to be his holy people. He's, he's, and he also has sanctified his people. And so when I ask you that question, are you a sanct? Are you sanctified? Are you a sanctified Christian? The answer should be: if you're a Christian, the answer should be: are you sanctified? The answer should be yes. Okay. So next time I ask that, uh, as we get further along in the series, are are you sanctified? Yes. Yes. Okay. That that is being used synonymously with 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 uh, conversion. Okay. God has sanctified us when we became believers in Jesus, and we placed our faith in Jesus. We became sanctified and set apart. Now the problem is, we're the Christians living like sanctified Christians, right? And and that's that's all of our our struggle, and that's all of our problem is is that we're in a process. Though positionally, we've been sanctified by God, we've been saved by God and rescued by God, oftentimes there's this tension of us not living out who we really are and who God's made us to be with our conduct, with our words, and with our actions. And so the Apostle Paul begins this letter before he goes in, and he has lots of correction to give within this letter. And so we get to see what healthy church matters look like uh, through all the correction that he brings to this church that had lots of struggles. Uh, one one of the the options that I considered for titling this series is "Messy Grace" or "Messy Church." And and by the way, I'm not we're not going through this series because I think we're really messy here. Okay. But I do know that that we all have our issues, we all have our struggles, and we all need grace, and we all need to grow, and we all know somebody else too, right? We all you know, the person next to you. The person next to you needs to grow in in holiness and in in Christ likeness. But if we're honest, we we and, and we and we see ourselves soberly, we we we're the ones that need change. We're the ones that need grace. We're the ones that need the Holy Spirit changing our hearts, changing our attitudes, changing the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, and the way that we see the world. And so the word, uh, there's, there's two words here that are very similar, used for sanctified and uh, saint. And as you can see, uh, they're, they're similar. One means that sanctified, uh, the Greek word means to separate, to consecrate, to cleanse, to purify, to sanctify, to regard as holy, to hallow. Um, uh, the 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 word for saint means to separate for common condition and use, dedicated uh, for and, and for persons. Uh, it, it's it, it's described as the first Christian communities, pure, righteous, ceremonially and morally holy god has made us saints god has sanctified us may we live that out may we live out of our identity as god's holy people the next thing that that paul does and by the way he's he's starting on a very positive note before he goes into a a lot of correction he's he, he as one one author describes this is he's giving like a velvet brick he has a heavy word to bring to the corinthians to address all kinds of issues that are going on in their church but he's starting in a positive before he gives confrontation he starts with affirmation that's that's, that's always a That's usually a good rule, right? If you're going to confront somebody in a relationship, affirmation usually helps that go better for you when you need to address uh, an issue. And so Paul practiced that. Now he doesn't commend he doesn't commend the Corinthians like he does uh, some of the other churches. So he he seems to not have as much positive to say about. The Corinthians, he doesn't talk about their love or their faith or their hope, or um, he he refers to them being a gifted people, which is a good thing, right? They had spiritual gifts, and they were they they they, they used those gifts and they misused those gifts, uh, but he highlights that God has gifted them, and he says, "I thank God, I give thanks to God always for because of." Because for you because of the grace of God that was given to you. Now, the Corinthians knew they were gifted, okay? They, they knew they were gifted. He, and he even says uh, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, okay? So they were gifted. They knew that they were gifted, but one of the things that Paul's doing here is he's directing that directing them to focus on their giftedness as coming from God, not from themselves. You see, later on in the letter, he, he, he talks a lot about God's grace, God's gracious activity, his gifts to his people. The, the word is charis, charis, that, that, that he uses as he talks about this. And so he, he, he asks the question, he says, what do you have that you first haven't received you see, everything that you and I have in life is a gift from God. And, and so what, he, what he's trying to do here is he's trying to give them a reason not to be boastful and not to be puffed up about how gifted and talented they are. You see, the grace of God, when we rightly grasp and understand that God's grace is undeserved favor and blessing, that God has been gracious to us, and so we don't have anything to boast about when it comes to our salvation. Okay, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, when we when we understand God's grace and salvation... It'll keep us from boasting about how we got saved. Because we didn't save ourselves. Jesus saved us. By His grace. Right? And when we, when we understand that the gifts that we have, the spiritual gifts that we have in this life, that, that, that they're from God, God has graciously bestowed those things upon us. The intellect that we have, the, the speaking capacity that we have, the, the skills that we have to work with, all these come from the hand of the Almighty who has been gracious to us. And so this should humble us as we recognize that. And this should humble the Corinthians as they recognize that as well. So Paul was able to give thanks to God for them because God did start a work in their lives. He brought salvation. He brought rescue. And he gifted them. And so Paul acknowledges that he acknowledges also that god is faithful to sustain his people when you when you look down at verse 8 and 9 he says that, that that jesus will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our lord jesus christ god is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son jesus christ now this is very encouraging to me as i as i think about what Paul is saying here, as I, as I look at as, a, as I look at his statement, that he he has confidence that even though the Corinthian church is very messy and has a lot of issues, there's immorality, there's divisions, there's pride, okay, there's competition, and it's not healthy, it's not good. People are getting hurt. Outsiders who are coming to visit the church are turned off, probably thinking, "Is this what Christianity is all about?" Right, and so Paul has to address this in this letter. he addresses how they're they're relating to one another. He gives the whole chapter, probably what most of us are familiar with, most familiar with when we think of first Corinthians is what first Corinthians chapter thirteen, the chapter on love. maybe you've heard it at a wedding, right, and it's a great chapter, and that chapter is sandwiched in between a chapter two chapters on spiritual gifts. And, and the purpose of that was so that Paul could direct the Corinthians to utilize their gifts to serve others, serve one another in love, not show off with their gifts, because that's what they were doing. So they had all kinds of issues, but Paul could still say, God is faithful, God is faithful and he will sustain you. He said this in a couple different other ways in First Thessalonians and Philippians 1.6. He says, he who began a good work, I am confident that he who, who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? God will finish what he has started in you. Look to the person next to you and say, God will finish what he started in your life. And, and, and by the way, so right in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, the scripture says, for we are God's worksmanship. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's poem or his, his work of art. That's how God describes us as his masterpiece. Okay. And so we can rightly say that over Christians, you're God's masterpiece. But we can also say God's not through with you. You're God's masterpiece, but God's not through with you. The ladies on Friday night had a had a fun, amazing time doing an art night, and they created some lovely masterpieces over there with some beautiful colors, and it was messy up here. They, they, they put all these colors together, and they, they dumped it upside down, and it just kind of created this beautiful mess everywhere that did get cleaned up. <laughs> Um, oh, by the way, ladies, those are. Um, make sure and pick up your. If you're here on Friday night, make sure and pick up your your um, your picture there. If not, we're going to auction them off today. Uh, Fifty dollars a pop. No, just kidding. Um, but we're God's masterpiece. God God has chosen us. We're God's chosen people. His holy people set apart. And though our lives aren't finished, though there's a lot of of work that still needs to be done, God's gonna finish the, the work in our lives. He's not gonna abandon what he started in us. He's gonna complete it to that day. There's going to be a day when we see Jesus face to face. And I don't know about you, but as I, as I observe world events right now, I just keep thinking, man, that could come sooner than I think. <laughs> that could come sooner than I think. We're going to see Jesus face to face and face to face. And for the Christian, that's our hope. And for the Christian, that motivates us. It should motivate us to live lives that are consecrated to God here and now. To live for what really matters here and now. You see, the the Corinthians got caught up in focusing on little things and allowing those little things to create divisions among them. In verse ten, we see that God instructed them to, through the apostle Paul, to walk in unity. Look at this this next section here. It says, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here's here's some baptism verses for us today. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I love this statement. I look forward to talking a little bit more about that this week or next week, Lord willing. Paul was perceived by the Corinthians, who were entertained by all kinds of eloquent speakers and philosophers. He was perceived by the by the the Corinthians as not not the best speaker. You know, Paul. He's not. The, I like Apollos. He's a much better speaker, right? And so so there was there were these divisions and these quarrels amongst the church. Um, they were trying to one up one another. You know, I was baptized by. Apollos, you know, he's a better speaker. I was baptized by Paul. He started the church. No, I was baptized by Jesus. Right? Just what, just trying to one up one another. And, and this is just immaturity. It's kind of like, just like, it's childish. It's like what kids do, right? And it's, it's sad when we see adults doing it. When we see adults grown, full, fully grown adults bickering and fighting and quarreling and in the church it ought not to be and so paul hears that there there's these divisions there's these factions there's this competition within the church and so he has to he has to address it and he does it with with grace and he does it uh with with boldness and frankness um, so here are some of the reasons that there were problems um, reasons for divisions, and some of these uh, apply to the Corinthians. One is they were majoring on minor issues. Majoring on minor issues. When we when we take a minor issue and we make it a major issue, it creates division, right? One of the things we say here at City Church is that we are united in the essentials, unity in the essentials, liberty in the non essentials, in all things charity. And all things love. That's first Corinthians, right? And so when we take things like baptism, like mode of baptism or exactly how, you know, it needs to be done, or we, we take things like spiritual gifts and we overemphasize their importance, uh, then, then we, we can create schisms. And so there's all kinds of denominations throughout the states, throughout the world, because there's these schisms. And God calls His people to be united around the work of, G, around the person and work of Jesus Christ. Around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some other reasons are pride in our abilities and possessions and status. This was the case with the Corinthians. Another is devaluing, devaluing and dishonoring others uh um, who are in the body of Christ. One of the, one of the metaphors that Paul uses in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 is the metaphor of the body. He says you Corinthians are the body of Christ. Okay? You got different parts in the body. No one person is everything, right? Everyone has a part and the implication is is that you need those around you in the body. And you need to be connected. They have what you need and you have what they need. And we all need Jesus. He's the head, right? And so, so we should honor one another, what, is, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. We should, we should honor those different parts of the body of Christ. And, and some of the other, uh, reasons for division are selfish ambition, competition, and just simple immaturity and insecurities. These are some reasons for, for division. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking about when I was, uh, in Bible school. And, uh, I was more prone to get in theological debates with folks, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I just, I enjoy theology. But in some ways, as a, as a, uh, Bible student, I remember just pride coming out in, in my, in some of those conversations, in the way that I talked about what I knew with, with, uh, some of my friends, right? And so God saw it fit to surround me with some some friends that were a little bit different than I was, who saw things differently theologically, it was kind of like a, a Republican and a Democrat, uh, in in a sense. Uh, there was there's one particular friend that um, that became a roommate of mine, and he just saw, uh, he, he theologically he saw some things that were were different than than I saw in Scripture, and so we had discussions and we had debates, and there was. Tension from time to time and often it was pride It was pride in me or pride in him that caused that that tension and that friction between us And uh, eventually he he also became a pastor and came on staff. We were both serving as pastors on staff at our sending church at city church international and thankfully (laughs) Thankfully we had a senior pastor who was good about making the main thing the main thing. He was good about casting vision of what we call unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, but in all things, charity. We're going to love each other because we are brothers and sisters. We are the body of Christ. And, and, I, and I will say today, me and this, this guy still have a great, we have a great relationship. Like we're not debating uh, anymore. We're not trying to prove who's right or who's wrong, uh, because because we, we we've redirected our focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You see, churches experience division when they they major on the minors. And we get so caught up in like facility stuff and so caught up about all these other these these little things that don't don't matter much when it comes to the mission. But for us at City Church, we unite around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we we strive together for the faith of the gospel, as Paul said to do, right? That's our aim, to strive together, not strive with each other. Because the devil wants to get us to attack and fight and divide and quarrel and, and use all our mental and emotional energy to just wear each other out. And Paul says to the, the Galatians in chapter uh, five, I believe, he says, beware lest you're biting and devouring, lest you bite, you're biting and bickering, um, devour one another. And so before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed in John 17 that the church would be united, that the church would be one. This was on the heart of God, God, the son, before he went to the cross and before he died for the church. He prayed, Father, I, I pray that you make them one as you and I are one, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, our unity, our uniting across, and, and we value that here at City Church. We, one of our values is unified diversity. I, I love looking across this room today and seeing diversity. It's it's beautiful. It's good. Heaven is going to be a place where we have every tribe and every tongue around the throne worshiping God, and it's good to be around others who other others who are different than you culturally, socioeconomically. Um, it, it, it provides it provides opportunities to love across those differences. As I said last week, it's sad that on Sunday mornings it's the most segregated Sunday most segregated hour uh, of, of of the week, right? Because there's this tendency by human nature, we tend to just gravitate towards people who are most like us, who we feel most comfortable being around. But God loves the flavor and the diversity within the body of Christ, within the family of God. And Paul cast vision for that, unity in diversity. So let me close, which is the couple of application points. And so you can take a sigh of relief. We're closing, we're landing the plane. See yourself and other Christians through the lens of God's grace. That's what the apostle Paul did with the Corinthians. He saw them through the lens of God's gracious work in their lives. In reality, there was a lot of mess. And a lot of issues to address. As, and as a spiritual leader. He did do that. But he could still say. I thank God for his grace in your life. I thank God that he's enriched you. In speech. and knowledge. I thank God is faithful. To sustain you. And, and, and bring you guiltless. Before His the, the coming of Jesus Christ. Like Paul could still say that. About the Corinthians. Who had Some struggles. And so see what, see yourself and see others through the lens of grace. Keep the main thing the main thing and avoid making minor issues major issues. Let's major on the majors and minor on the minors. And then lastly, discover your gifts and use them to serve one another. When we get to chapter 12 and chapter 14, uh, it, it talks about spiritual gifts. And if you're a Christian, you have a gift. You have a spiritual gift from God uh, with capacity with which you can build up and encourage and strengthen and help others around you. And so we want to be those who use those gifts not to show off, but we use those gifts to serve others. Amen? Join me in prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. Thank you that you meet us with grace and truth through your son. You're patient, kind, gentle with us, and you're committed to finishing the good work that you've started in our lives. And I pray right now for just anyone here who is struggling, who feels despair about change in their own life, change that you want to bring. And I pray that you would fill them with hope, that you would meet them here today with hope that comes from your word, hope that comes By your spirit. God, you are faithful to forgive. To save. To sustain us. Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance on you and may he give you his peace.